back with you again today, was here with you last week, and will be with you one more week. I want to talk to you today about the healing of the blind man. But in order to do that, I want to get you into a running start. And I know that uh, Pastor Anderson talked a little bit about this yesterday, but it's so important to understand the setting of the Feast of the Tabernacles. Now, that's one of the three major feasts of the people of Israel, one of which was Passover, then Pentecost, and then Tabernacles. It remembered what God did as the people of Israel traveled for their 40 years during that Exodus time before they came into the Promised Land and how they lived in tabernacles or tents or booths and how when God was with them in that journey, he was providing water miraculously for them through a rock, Uh, that he was leading them at night with a pillar of fire and a cloud by day as he led his people to their place in the Promised Land. Tabernacles remembers that. It celebrates that. It's also the fall celebration in that agricultural rhythm of Israel's life. And so the focus on water is very an important part of that. One of the things that uh, you talked about yesterday is this quote from Jesus out of John 7, where Jesus says, I am the water of life. If you drink from me, you're never going to be thirsty again. Well, Jesus does that. He says that on the last day of the great feast. The last day of this feast where for six days the priests had gone down to the pool of Siloam and there they filled up in that brook area and they filled up the water and they carried it back to the altar and they poured it out every day on the altar to remember how God provided water for them. Every day, six days. Seventh day, they do it seven times that they pour that water out on the altar. And it's in that moment that Jesus steps up. John even says, on the last day of the feast, Jesus says... If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and this you will have streams of living water. Now, the reason I share that with you is because the story of the blind man connects to the second thing that Jesus states on that Feast of Tabernacle celebration, and that is the celebration of light. This was always right around the fall equinox when the day and night hours were very similar in length, but then what they taught in their uh, rabbinical teachings that the, the sun began to die or the sun started to go away longer and the nights got longer. And with that, there was a focus on light as they remembered how God led them in the wilderness. These uh, pillars, some believe, are up to 75 feet tall, big, gigantic basins of oil. And get this, the priests would use their used undergarments as wicks. There's a way to get rid of your old underwear, huh? And yes, that's what they do. They'd put their they climb up there, they'd put the oil in, then they'd put the priest's undergarments in it, and then they'd light those undergarments. And the rabbis would say that it lit up the entire city of Jerusalem. And it's in that moment then that Jesus says these words, I am the light of the world. He makes these incredible statements to point out who he is and what he's come to do. When you get into chapter 8, there is the story of the healing of the blind man. And with the blind man, it really becomes like a case study for Jesus' statement on the Feast of Tabernacles that he's the light of the world. Because light helps you see in darkness, doesn't it? John, earlier in his gospel, has called Jesus the light of the world And Jesus says that he is that himself. And then he heals a man who can't see so that he can see. 
But not just physically, the power and the wonders of what he does supernaturally to see spiritually who this Jesus is. Look at these words. An interesting question happens. Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Very common thought in the day that where there was some sort of a disability, it was obviously the cause of a sin. Sin caused it. And Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents. But what's going on here is something that's deeper than all of that. Jesus would want us to know that what is going on in this man's circumstance is about a condition. The fact that we have brokenness, the fact that we have sin, the fact that we have uh, issues in our bodies, uh, our health, our ability to see or not to see, to hear or not to hear, all is about just the broken condition of our world. Death happens because of the broken condition of our world. And so sight goes away because of the broken condition of our world in some people. But the key here, Jesus would say, is the reason that he's singling out this moment is I want to show us that Jesus is himself the light of the world and that he would be able to see in his salvation. So he does this work in this man. And he spits on the ground and he creates a little bit of mud. Back then, spit was thought to have medicinal purposes. Kind of cool, huh? Remember when I was a kid, I would cut myself and my dad would look at it and decide it wasn't going to be life-threatening. He'd say, spit on it, rub some mud on it, you'll be just fine. Anybody's dad say that to you? Thank you. A couple of you are nuts like mine. And so he anoints this man's eyes with mud and he sends him down to the pool of Siloam. Interesting, it's the pool of Siloam that they would go down to in order to get their water for that water ceremony on the Feast of Tabernacles. John makes a point to say to us that the pool of Siloam means sent. So Jesus, who John 20 times in his gospel calls him the sent one, the sent one sends the blind man to sent to be healed. Who is the one who's going to get the credit for this? It's Jesus himself, because he's the one who's doing the sending. He's the one who's doing the healing. And he comes back seeing Now, this creates all kinds of chaos in Jerusalem. Number one, he did it on the Sabbath. And then number two, people are really struggling with this whole thing. They even do this whole interrogation thing. They they interrogate the man that was born blind who can now see. They interrogate the guy's parents to find out if he was really blind to begin with. They even interrogate the neighbors in order to see what was really going on. And then they bring the guy back one more time and they interrogate him. But what's interesting and what I don't want you to miss with me is what happens when the blind man answers all of these statements and questions. It starts out and he says, a man named Jesus healed me. And then the next time when they deal with him, he says, he was a prophet. The third time he deals with him, he says, he's the Christ. Fourth time they come to him, he says, he is from God. And then Jesus comes to him. And Jesus, hearing that he'd been cast out, he'd been thrown out of the temple, Jesus seeks him out. I just love that about our Savior. He seeks us out. He wants a relationship with us. He goes and he finds the blind man and he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, and I made the word big, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Do you see the progression? Jesus, prophet, Christ, 
from God, Lord. There was this transformation in this blind man's seeing from just a man to knowing him as Savior. And you know, that happens for all of us through faith. As our God reveals and helps us to know and understand more about who he is in our lives. For some of you, you may have come here to Concordia and you didn't really have a walk with the Lord and you didn't really understand all these things about Christianity. But over time, I pray that what's happened for you is Jesus, prophet, Christ, from God, my Lord. That that scene has happened in you for you to know Jesus is Savior and Lord. Spiritual blindness, the Bible would teach us, is so much worse than physical blindness. What's your condition? Do you see spiritually? Do you know the Savior Jesus? Because he enables you to look at life differently, to see things and to see him at work in you that you're never going to have apart from that. There's a famous hymn that I think all of us know, Amazing Grace. It's a hymn that people sing who don't even know about who the giver of grace is. It was written by a guy by the name of John Newton. You may know the story. He was a pretty tough guy. Matter of fact, he created so many problems that they threw him off of all kinds of ships. He was in kind of the merchant marine as his career. He eventually became a captain of a ship, a ship that was called the Greyhound, And he was part of the slave trade in the late 18th century in Great Britain. And he would go over to the nation of Africa and he would get slaves and then he would bring them back. But there was a time when he began to be engaged by the word of God. He began to read certain things that others had written about scripture. And in time, his eyesight began to change. The spiritual blindness that had driven him for so long was transformed into the spiritual light of knowing Christ. I was blind, but now I see. I pray that's your statement too. That you know that there is a Savior who's come for you who has said, I am your light in your life as the light of the world. And let me show you what it means so that you can see my love for you, so that you can know my forgiveness, And so that you can know that eternity is yours even as you live out your life day to day here. I was blind, but now I see. Pray with me. God, thank you for the way that you fit all these things together in the scriptures. Uh, A festival that Jesus steps forward and says, I am the water of life. I am the light of the world. And then you show as you heal the blind man that it is your invitation that every single one of us would have our eyesight transformed, our spiritual eyesight transformed to see, to know you, not just as Jesus, but as my Lord. And from that, know that you have saved us and made us into this wonderful thing called the child of God. Lord, I pray that that would be a reality for all of us here today and that we can celebrate and sing as you work in us toward that end. We pray this in Jesus' name.